Okay, what's going on, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Energized. Russ! Are you intoxicated or something? How's the form, bud? Yeah, good, man. Intoxicated. Too much Forge Irish Stout. That, <laughs> that stuff is uh, absolutely delicious. Um, yeah, we just decided we'd jump on and do an episode on McGregor Forever. Uh, obviously, the Netflix documentary that dropped there um, on Wednesday. So we were like, Let, let's watch it and then we'll talk about it because... Whether you like it or not, Conor McGregor, he's the, he's the biggest star the UFC has ever seen. He's the biggest star MMA has ever seen. He's one of the most talked about sports people in the world. Whether you love him or hate him, you're going to watch it and see what it's about. So uh, we watched it. And uh, Barry, you what were you your didn't thoughts? It. You didn't watch it, bud, did you? Man, I, I watched all four episodes back to back. I was like, <laughs> here, here comes McGregor Marathon. So I'm up. <laughs> You were like, Baz, you watch it. I'll pretend I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it really, really was. Uh, it, it was a fascinating watch. Um, obviously, the, yeah. you got to see the sort of the the highs and the lows of the fight game. Um, they really are the highest highs and the lowest lows. And getting to see those behind the scenes yeah. footage was incredible. And just, I actually thought just the way it was shot in general was done really, really well. What, what, were you, what was your initial thoughts on it? Yeah, well, first of all, Netflix do a fantastic job in all the documentaries. Like, I love going there for documentaries. And um, obviously, Connor did one before with Netflix. Um, he did one before with Severe MMA as well, which was great as well. So, like, yeah. this is, like, the third one. But, like, this one... Put, a ca- put that man on camera. It's, it's always going to be good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like... well, like, this one, for people that haven't watched it yet, make sure to check it out. Uh, it's cut up in four parts. And it's, like, it, like the behind-the-scenes stuff is the stuff that really... Like it really, really hits home. Like I know the way we cover MMA after the fights, we go into the backstage and we see when fighters lose. It's it's like it's crazy to see like they like how much they put their heart and soul into the fights. And then like even in episode one, after Connor loses to Khabib, the way like uh, Connor Junior goes over to him and like like gives him a hug. It's just like it's such a crazy sport, isn't it? Yeah, it really, really is, and it's sort of broken down the four episodes into his last four fights per se. It's Khabib, yeah. then Cowboy, then Poirier two, and Poirier three. Um, and I, I suppose maybe we'll start on the Khabib fight because obviously Connor seemed to be in a darker place for that one. Like the the blab bad blood was real for that one. Um, like obviously he was promoting proper twelve at the same time. He wasn't fully focused on on the fight, and obviously it didn't go his way, but. I think the initial takeaway from that, there was two takeaways from that first episode for me. The first one was seeing him in the back after he lost. And like sort of Dana came in and was like, oh, sorry about that. Like sort of the fight after the fight, yeah. uh, the people jumped in the cage and Connor was like, that's handbags. Like that doesn't matter. He was like, <laughs> he was like, I lost where it mattered. And like, that's sort of what got to him. Uh, it just goes to show how much, or so much hunger he has for the competition, and uh, how important winning is to that man. Yeah, do you know what? It, like it was, it was weird to go back to that time as well. Remember the build up, all the stuff from like the dolly and the the dolly on the bus, like um, just all the build up, the press conference. Like it, I, I was just like, well, I can't believe we're starting off here. <laughs> Pure chaos, man. Like just remembering those times. Like I mean that. 
the build up to that fight was something crazy over here. Remember, like everyone was talking about Connor at that stage, like it was just uh, absolute nuts. I yeah, mean, and uh, I suppose that's that's the thing with Connor. You get the casuals involved as well, and like the amount of people asking us been like, "Can this wrestler fella can he beat Connor or what's the story?" And then there was, yeah. he got it the other way, been like, "Can Connor beat this wrestler fella?" I've seen a video of him wrestling a bear. What's the crack with that? You know, yeah. and like that that was sort of the way that one was that was built, and it's still today. You'll see two twenty nine, the biggest pay per view of all time. It probably won't be beaten for a while either. No, but like just the way that was the one coming off the Mayweather fight, like Connor having the two belts, like the proper twelve thing. That was the, like as it went on into next the, the second episode, the way he said like he took his eye off the ball, like sure he was drinking on fight week, and then he said he wasn't giving justice to his team, his family, his supporters by drinking and not being fully committed, not like fully immersed in the game. And as you know, like Khabib doesn't drink; all he does is uh love to wrestle and compete the whole time so it it was um it didn't go to plan as obviously but like the afters was absolutely insane as well the way you could be did that like fucking like what's it called that? Like, eagle <laughs> what was it what's that thing where you go a cannonball yeah Every camel, cannonball out of the cage straight onto dylan danis like it was just like watching that watching the episodes back like starting off with that chaos was just like can't believe we're going back here. I know I've already said that, but I just, I just couldn't believe this was uh, where we were starting off. But like, obviously the afters after kind of lost, you can just, like, it's the, it's the stuff that goes on behind the scenes is the stuff that really, really hits home. I know I said that earlier as well. It's just like seeing him being a dad now compared to like the last, um, the last documentary, like you, you see him in a totally different light. And then uh, like, even after the Khabib fight, saying he wants that back. But then like, and give him community service and go and see him doing the community service. That was something that was so funny because, um, like the way he went to a church, the way like he was taken all in, like the way seeing him act as a normal human being because the way he's promoted and he like sort of shows himself at that stage, it was as if he wasn't even a real human. Yeah, the community service was was wild to see. See him yeah. sweeping up benches in the church church pews, something that. You'd never see really, but like you said, he seems to find meaning or find relevance in every scenario and every situation. He was going around like reading the Bible quotes on the, on the, I don't know what they were. They were sort of pictures or whatever. And like he was yeah. taking, he was taking something from it as well. So it's great to see that like he still has that uh, aura of humbleness to him that like, he, you know, he, he had no problem doing the, cleaning up the church like it seemed to not phase me he was like this is grand like I deserve to have to do this so now I'm doing it Um, it was definitely strange to see someone with all that money like be sweeping up a church but he seemed to get great satisfaction from doing it this is number one bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it, no it was it was it was just great to see that he um he lived from the experience of Khabib and then moved on. Uh, like, part of the sort of family stuff, the Khabib stuff, the community service stuff, that, that was really episode one in Bad Blood Rot. Um, yeah, no, it was. Yeah, that, that was episode one. Episode two. Um, as so, real I as think, it gets. Yeah, as real as it gets. That sort of started off with uh, his daughter's christening, really, didn't it? Uh, yeah. He, he, he broke the hand, he, or he broke his hand. Uh, he, he had two green things sticking out at one stage. And again, it's so funny to see that, like, 
this man has won the most, you know, sort of sought after stars in the world. And like, I'd never seen him with like those two green balls in his hand before. Uh, I don't know whether it's a splinter or what you call it, but uh, obviously with some sort of device to help his bones grow back together. And, uh, you know, you see him there and he throws this massive party for his daughter's Kristen. And, you know, he, he has her in his arms. I won't say it's like, this is all for you. And you see him chatting to Gunnar Nelson. And you can see him when he chats to Gunnar, like you can see the passion he has for fighting when he's talking about it uh, to him. And like, it's it's crazy to see. And you can see like how all out he goes for his family. And he touches on it a few times in the documentary, like it's all for them. And, you know, I think there was a, a quote played back to him that, you know, when his kids' kids are set for life, like that's that's when he'll be happy, and they probably are at this stage. But again, like he's he's not satisfied by anything. Like he's always hungry for more, and he always wants more. And um, obviously, you know, he went to Russia as well, and like especially after the Khabib, I think it was a parry match, and like seeing yeah. the fandom that he had in Russia was insane. You know what I mean? So. It was just one of those crazy things. And then, you know, he was obviously looking to get back in there sooner. And, you know, he's actually become a star at that stage. Well, even prior to Khabib that, you know, it's actually hard to schedule fights for him because obviously he generates massive pay-per-view boys. They don't want to put him on the pay-per-views with another champion. You know, I mean, they're almost like making pay-per-views for him. So it becomes a lot harder to schedule a McGregor fight. And that's what we saw with the Cerrone fight. When he fought Cerrone that time, it was almost like an added pay-per-view that they put in. You know what I mean? And we got like almost a flashback to the OG Connor in this episode as well. You know what I mean? We saw him make his debut in Stockholm. We saw him do the 60 Gs to the camera. You know what I mean? It, it, it was crazy to see. And then we were even seeing him sitting on the couch wearing his boxing gloves. And I was like, I was like, why is this guy wearing his boxing gloves? And then you find out later on in the episode, he's like, He's watching the UFC on the telly, and he turns to his son. He's like, "Daddy's going to fight in there later." I, I was like, <laughs> "I was like, what?" And I was like, uh, "I was like, it, it was crazy that the UFC pay per view had started." He's sitting at home on his couch watching the fights, and he's like, "Right, time to go." And then it cuts to like the next scene, and he's wearing like this immaculate uh, maroon suit, and you're like, "Off he goes." It was just to see him instantly switch from da to global superstar in a matter of moments. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was. It was crazy. It was like the, the whole thing really blew me away. Um, the, I think around that stage as well, Connor didn't do as much media. Like post the Khabib fight, like we didn't actually see him as much. The only stuff we sort of saw from him was from the stuff he put up on Instagram. And, and uh, I remember there was pictures going around around the christening, and like because of like that, that, like just seeing the sort of background stuff like the way he was interacting with his family saying how much he wanted to get back in and fight in the bit also in the build-up to that cowboy fight as well people like didn't know who he was going to fight he eventually got cowboy just listening back to people saying like how much of a 50 50 fight it was going to be and the way connor just blew through him and that was probably probably the best connor's looked in the last few years like um when he went in it, like he almost finished him too quick <laughs> I think 40 yeah, seconds. He, he, he didn't get the, the ring time as well. And it, it, it was obviously a mad fight. And then seeing the celebrations of the aftermath of Cerrone was insane. Like seeing Owen Roddy there, like couldn't believe it. Dana White comes in and as if he'd never seen Conor McGregor fight before, blown away again. 
like the shoulder strikes, the head kick. It was insane. And then CND being like, oh, last week he he, t- he told me that uh, everyone thinks Cerrone's going to catch me with a head kick. Well, guess what? I'm going to catch him with a head kick. So like that that was really, really cool to see. Uh, I suppose a couple of things that we haven't touched on yet is the sort of voiceovers throughout. We saw, you know, own Roddy do a few voiceovers, Audi Atard some voiceovers, but one person who maybe we don't hear as much from is uh, the Doc. And the Doc, I think, yeah. probably did, from my recollection, did more voiceovers than anyone. Obviously, he's such a massive, integral part to his camps. And you don't get to see that. Like, I remember him, I know I'm sort of going backwards a bit here, but in the first episode, and he's, you know, resetting McGregor's toe in the build of the Khabib <laughs> fight. And, you know, he's checking all these these injuries all the time. And, like, he seems to be on top of the strength and conditioning. And uh, I was actually laughing, like, at some stage, like, People are. I feel like it's a full time job carrying Connor's like rowing machine around for him to get ready. It seemed to be a different location every time he was going to do it. <laughs> but like even like alternating grips to do the rowing machine, etc., yeah. etc., et and like just having them ready. You don't actually realize how integral part of Connor's camp that man is. Yeah, I think that was that was where they heavily pushed the McGregor fast as well. Yeah, definitely. But like, look, that seems to be be working for him as well. Because I know, obviously, he had the injury. And I know we're jumping ahead in, in the fourth Poirier fight. But, like, you could actually see physically and mentally he was more ready to go for that one than ever. Obviously, the injury happened. But he said he was in the best fighting shape he'd ever been in. And I feel like that's not something he lies about. I know people say, oh, I'm the fittest I've ever been. Yeah, that's, for that's nearly every fight. But, says, like, yeah. but I, I feel like he truly and fully believes it. When, when he says it on camera, because I don't feel like it wasn't for an embedded, it wasn't for an interview. He was almost saying it to his to his team. You're saying the Connor that fought against Cowboy? Uh, I think it was the cow the Cowboy fight. I think he was fitter than ever. I think the final Poirier fight, he was fitter than ever. You can see that like that McGregor fast training seems to be working well for him. I don't think we've seen the cardio issues that we saw in the first Diaz fight since he started doing McGregor fast. Yeah. I'd love if we, uh, four stars that made us, uh, get on that McGregor fast train just to see, uh, what we could do. But, uh, th- that, th- like just going back to the cowboy one, like that, after he won that fight, the way he won it so convincingly, like the unfortunate thing was it went back, like it, then it brought up all the COVID stuff. And like that, that was one thing I'd actually sort of forgotten about COVID. Like it was, uh, but like, I mean, you can't just make excuses here. Like, like loads of people were doing great things in the build up to COVID, and COVID like, like halted a lot of shit. Mm. And then, and then like the Floyd Oil and coming up and so, like, it, the, 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 it's funny how fast times move. That like, um, like Floyd Island was even a thing. Like, I like I actually forgotten about Floyd Island. Yes, yeah, so much, so much changed in the world and in the world of fighting between the Cerrone and Poirier fight. Like yeah, after the Cerrone fight, we saw he was, that's when he was talking about the season. Yeah, exactly. And we saw COVID hit. Like he was getting offered no fights. McGregor was going around Dublin doing like PPE drops and like yeah, yeah get, getting out all the gear, which like going he got little no credit for as well. Yeah. Um. So, and then like obviously he was getting frustrated. He was getting no fights. UFC were like obviously not dying to put on a McGregor fight with no fans. That didn't really suit them. Like, obviously, he t- he sells out arenas. He makes massive pay-per-views. 
like they didn't really think it was appropriate to have him on in no bill. But at the yeah, time, but it, yeah, but it looked like they, it looked like they're obliged to offer three fights a year, and it, it, like according to Connor, he was getting offered nothing. Yeah, exactly, and like he took took it into his own hands. You know, what I mean, that's when he reached out to Dustin saying, "Let's do a ch- uh, charity uh, boxing match." I don't know whether when you were sitting when you were sitting there on the bench and like that tweet actually got said out. Was it as quick as that? Like, was that actually the time he tweeted that out? But it was like it just goes to show the power that man has on a, on a mobile phone. Puts out one tweet and he has the entire world talking. <laughs> yeah, and. It, like then, when you look at the Connor in the build up to that Poirier fight, compared to the ending of the Poirier tr- the trilogy, like the way they they were like they got along so well, he was saying he wanted some of Poirier's um, hot sauce. Yeah, um, it was like noise, Connor. It was noise, Connor. Yeah, like he, he like he shaved the head. It was. Um, th- you see, the thing is, Poirier at that stage. Was being so active, and then Connor was actually was coming off the cowboy fight, and it was like going straight into someone who was being so active. Poirier was on a run as well; like he, he became interim champion, didn't he? Yeah, that uh, that was an extremely hard fight to take, and I think Connor thrives in like the build up for fight week. Like he like feeds his ego, gets fed off that. Like um, like even though in the build up to it as well, we thought. Poirier looked like a deer in headlights. He was almost bowing to Conor. But, yeah, um, I don't think he, uh, I, I don't think he knew how to take Conor McGregor being nice to him. <laughs> it, 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 like total polar opposite from when they showed the highlights of the first one, where McGregor's yeah. basically intimidating him across the room and getting him riled up and this and there. He's like, uh, he was being so nice to him, and you know they were making deals to like donate money to charity and stuff like that. But uh, I think that was the first time we also saw. This like businessman Connor show up and like the the multi multi millionaire Connor show up. I know I know he had that before, but like this was next level. Like when he showed up on like a super yacht to to fight week and like he was over in uh, Dubai and then he got the flight or the the boat across to Abu Dhabi and he arrived on, on that super yacht. You were like, geez, this guy is like next level like this is this is a next level superstar in the fight game not one other fighter in the world could actually arrive on a super yacht the way McGregor did it was insane to see and then it was a, it was a total difference from the beginning of his career as well the way even looking yeah. at the way like having I think he had a second kid then there as well and you like they're, they're really showing a lot of uh, his personal life at that stage as well and it's a total opposite to uh, having not a pot to piss in, Connor. Like, like arriving on yeah. that super yacht, like, jeez. Yeah, it was. It was insane to see. Like, it was. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, that's that's a billionaire yacht that he had. It was. It was crazy. <laughs> like, it really, really was. I was. I was actually yeah. sort of blown away by seeing. It. I remember at the time being like, I, I was like, I actually think I thought it was funny at the time, but looking back, I'm like, Jesus Christ! That's very impressive. Like, that's couple of hundred grand probably to rent that for the few days so fair play to him he's knocked out the part and i suppose that's 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 the thing about him like his loyalty showed throughout that like he constantly has the same people around him all the time he's extraordinarily loyal to those around him and that's probably what makes him who he is you know what i mean his circle is quite closed off 
and in the best way possible. He knows who he trusts around him, and he keeps them there. Yeah, like even the way it was shown flashes of him going to Bellator events, like the way everyone sort of like talks to him. Like, like those events are here because of him. Like, even the like PFL coming here, um, Cage Warriors, like all these events are because of him. And it's it is strange to be now part of like four stars still and like obviously being part of the UFC as well which is um, every day when, when when we like talk about being part of these brands we're like how the fuck do we get here like you know what I mean because mm. like life is a crazy crazy journey and then just seeing what he like obviously the more Connor grew the more we wanted to talk about the UFC and now to be like part of it in some sort of way whether it be big or small that's up to people's uh, judgment but seeing how much he's risen and uh, how much he's changed and how much the scene has changed and how much we love covering it it's uh, he's at the forefront of this and like like people may say we're uh, nut huggers or whatever like it's just uh, the way he the way he changed the landscape of people's mentality in, in not just that sport but in multiple sports it's uh, it's just it's a, it's an actual privilege to be covering the sport and like uh, see other people's journeys going out. Like the likes of Ian Gary as well. Like we had him on like when he was just very very fresh mm-hmm. in his career, just after his his debut. And um, there's more people coming up. Like there's the likes of Reese McKee is world champion now. Ken Lockran's world champion. Paul Hughes world champion. Danny McCormick world champion. These could all be future fighters on uh, UFC Boston. And uh, it's because Connor burst in the door open for everyone else. It's uh like everyone's eating now. Yeah, absolutely. Like this, this man is a trailblazer. You touched on it there. Bellator are only in Dublin because of Conor McGregor, effectively. Like, if you look at, <laughs> if you look at the way, so the way he's sponsoring uh, Katie Taylor's fight this weekend as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like Conor McGregor, <laughs> just has taken Irish MMA and like almost dragged it to the place he is now. Obviously there's other people along the way who 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 have played their part, you know what I mean? Yeah, obviously uh, us. Like, stuff, but like obviously us, of, us. Yeah, us too. <laughs> but uh like in terms of what he's done, like he's put Irish MMA on the map. He's gotten us a fair crack at different opportunities and I feel like there's a next wave of Irish MMA talent that will be signed to the UFC but yeah, like seeing him at the Bellator show, you know, Peter Queeley actually almost touched on it, been like, these shows are only happening because of Connor. And and he's right, like, you know what I mean? Like, the amount of SPG fighters that fight on, on the Bellator Dublin card every single time out, you know what I mean? Like, Irish MMA has the level of fandom it does now because of Connor McGregor. And whether some fans dislike him now or still like him, that's totally up to them. But at the end, they, they more than likely became fans of the sport through him, or a large proportion did. And now now they are fans of other fighters from Ireland as well, which is fantastic. And that's yeah. that's what we love to see. And that's what makes him so special. And that's what makes MMA so special. And like, just one of the sort of takeaways from the sort of entire series is, I suppose, the quote, Reasonable men never achieve, uh, achieve anything, and Conor McGregor is not a reasonable person. And yeah, like, I had to listen to that back. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an unbelievably good quote. And yeah, <laughs> I, I I think it's fantastic, and I think you know he doesn't compromise. He doesn't he doesn't 
you know, he does everything his way and he's so convinced his way is the best way. And I just think the guy is an absolute trailblazer. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there must be thousands of fighters each year who put on a pair of UFC gloves. And at the end of the day, a lot of people's goal is to get to the UFC. And those UFC gloves are incredible thing to say you've worn. But at the end of the day, they're just gloves. And the gloves don't mean anything until that person actually puts them on their hands. And when he puts them on their hands, it hits different. It makes the entire world stop and watch and listen. And no one else has that capability. Only him. He's the biggest trailblazer this sport has ever done. Uh, I actually watched Air, the Michael Jordan film. And I was like, what Michael Jordan has done for basketball, Conor McGregor has actually done for MMA. And that's just a matter of fact to me at this stage. He has transcended the sport. He's taken a sport that was shunned, looked down upon in many avenues of the media, in many countries throughout the world. And look, at 2021, he was the highest paid sports athlete in the world. Something that you would never think is possible for an MMA fighter. Not only what did he make it possible, he went and done it. Uh, he topped the list. He was making more money than people like Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi this year, and that in that year. It was absolutely insane to see, and especially in a sport where its fighter pay is constantly criticised. He went out and he made more money than any other sports athlete in the world. And when you think about that, like you think of like the deals. Roger Federer has with Nike. You think of LeBron James. You think of Tiger Woods. You think of all these guys who have been around for ages. Their household names everywhere. And that year, Connor earned far more than them. It is absolutely insane to think. And that's prior to the sale of proper number 12. Another 600 million uh, in the bank. And then him now with Forge Irish Dow doing really, really well. The Black Forge in, like it's only a matter of time before we see more and more of them open. Title Sports seems to be going really, really well in the US. Uh, obviously, he still has pre- shares in proper number 12. Now he has proper number 12 Apple. Like, the man is an absolute mogul. And it doesn't look like he's stopping anytime soon. Conceive, believe, achieve. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to mention what Katie's doing as well for Irish boxing. It's crazy, like Connor's doing mm. what for, stuff for MMA. Katie's doing it for boxing, like in this small country, it's uh, unreal. And we have Bono, man. Yeah, uh, Ireland, Ireland is pound for pound one of the best countries in the world. Like it really, really is, especially when it comes to sports stars and sort of I don't know icons of any industry. You know what I mean? Like if you look at acting, like Colin Farrell, Barry Keoghan, Liam Neeson, Brendan Gleeson. Like we're up for Oscars and that come to music, you know. We have, you know, Bono. We have, <laughs> well, you too, whoever else. You know what I mean? Like we have all these top. Yeah. Actually, I walked by Larry Mullen the other day and I was like, "That is a rock star." Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like yeah. for for a small country, we punch well above our waist, and uh, it's one of those things where I think there's also that. Uh, <laughs> natural begrudgery in Ireland as well. So if you get too successful, we begin to not like you. Uh, you two are different proponents of that. And uh, I'm, I'm sure Connor's had that. And that's actually one thing I did want to ask you about. What did you make of, you know, you had like the weighing in show, you had True Geordie, uh, and you had a few other sort of uh, YouTube channels and they were saying he was finished. They were saying there's no way yeah. back from this. 
etc etc and they were basically writing writing connor off what's jamaica of that and to just go to show that like that man sees everything he does see everything um when i when i heard all that you see a lot of people like to hype you up when you're on the come up and then when you lose it's easy to knock you they'll be the first with the shovel to put the dirt on the grave yeah exactly yeah and then on YouTube videos or any sort of content if you're like if we put this out saying McGregor forever is shit we get loads of views on this right yeah, and we get we get <laughs> we get forwards straight away from four tires now as well. But like we're <laughs> we're just putting this out as um, McGregor Forever review, documentary review, because like it just brings you back to so many good times, especially in Ireland. Because when when you fought, everyone was talking about it. it was it was great crack. Um, but like with these lads saying that stuff, they knew they were going to get views. They knew it was a hot take. They knew they were going to get clipped. They knew it was going to go viral because it was going to go viral if, because he was untouchable for years because he kept winning. And then once he lost, they came at him. And then obviously when he done things like, for instance, the Dolly against Khabib, people went against him and turned against him. And then it's hard to turn people back around because if, if someone's looking for a reason to dislike it and they find that reason, they're, they're like, oh, I knew it. I was totally right all along. But like he goes to show the stuff that he's done, he did for community during COVID, stuff he does for the MMA scene in Ireland, the way he's promoting the boxing this weekend. Um, you see multiple phases of him, and um, I, I I did like the way he put out that people were calling him out because it goes to show that that drives him. Hmm. Hey, what do you want? Obviously, he wants to prove people wrong, so that's always going to drive him, and like. I suppose the last time we did see Connor, and it's not really a spoiler because, you know, everyone knows what happened. You know, he, he broke his leg in the Poirier fight. Yeah. Um, well, what's it, the way he took that fight straight away, Ross, right? He obviously lost to Poirier in Foy Island and he said he's going to do it, run it back. And he did it straight, he, like he did it basically straight away. That was the fight. Poirier 3, uh, till the day I go out. That episode's called. Like, oh. What do you sort of make of the way he took that fight back straight away? I think there is maybe I'm not going to call it an ego, but like because he did it with Diaz as well. No, definitely, but obviously, obviously, he injured his foot or his ankle in the training camp. We saw the footage. We saw him yeah. do his kick, and he was told to take a week off. And he seems like someone who really struggles to actually stop the training. He's like, oh well, can I do this or can I do that instead or. He doesn't really like to let the body rest. But I also feel like he feels compelled to not let his fan base and his fans and his training camp down. That, like, he still shows up and takes the fight, even though he's not in 100% health. I think maybe maybe he needs to... Well, how, how many be... fighters will be 100% healthy going into fights as well? Pro- probably not a lot, but, like, yeah. at the end of the day, like, this was, I think... It was originally described as a, a deep bone bruise. Also, uh, the amount of money on the line here as well. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, like he's under more pressure to actually show up on fight night than probably any fighter in UFC history. So, it's a rough one. So, like, he showed up not one hundred percent healthy, and at the end of the day, he lost that fight because of the broken bone in his foot. 
Like, I know some people are saying, oh, well, Poirier was winning that round. But we saw against Khabib that Khabib had some dominant rounds. And then in the was it the third round, the round before McGregor lost, McGregor won that round. Not many people have taken rounds off Khabib. Um, like, it was one of the clear times where there's a massive consensus that McGregor won that round. So it is, it is definitely one of those things where, like, we've seen thousands of fights. So, like, say someone was winning and they were going to go on and win is not ever really a fair statement unless like the ref is on the verge of stopping it. Yeah. Also, I don't think his ankle just broke out of nowhere. Like, no, that that looked definitely... like it was like that was a series was... of damage. And then like that was the straw that broke the ankles back. Yeah. But even I remember watching that fight and I was like, there's something off here. He's not, he doesn't look like what he normally looks like. And then obviously the ankle broke, but that was obviously that was obviously what was going on. Yeah, definitely. That that ankle was clearly an issue. The way that broke, when you look at that, it's absolutely disgusting, man. No matter how many times you look at it, like you don't want to see anyone like that. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. And I suppose that leads us to what's coming up next. Like, obviously, he's doing. He, he's I think oh, he's doing the Ultimate Fighter now, with Michael Chandler. That will be airing thirtieth of May. Yeah, thirtieth of May. Yeah, on so UFC Fight Pass as well. Make sure you get on that. On UFC Fight Pass, if you're in the UK and Ireland or anywhere across from me, it will actually be on UFC Fight Pass two days before it goes on ESPN. So uh, you can catch it there first. Uh, well, it'll be on the same time as it is the ESPN America, but ESPN Europe. Um, yeah, so make sure to catch it there. We're going to do reviews of every episode. We're going to sit down and have a look at each episode and um, talk about it live on here. So make sure to be smashing that subscribe button to not miss the Android's content on that. Um, but what do you make of him versus Chandler? I thought that that was going to be a very, very good fight. Um, I remember in the build-up, people were talking about, oh, he's going to do the Ultimate Fighter. Who's he going to do it against? Is it going to be Tony Ferguson? Is it going to be Nate Diaz? Now, it turned out it was meant to be Nate Diaz. But um, I think Michael Chandler, the, the, like Michael Chandler is never in a boring fight. He's just never in a boring fight. He has, he's, he has the sort of all-American personality to him, like the way he's like, like he adopts kids, the way he's always in a, like he, the, like the way he's just, I thought he's very American. <laughs> what am I to say? <laughs> he's just, uh, he seems like a really, really nice guy, cool guy. And uh, I, I think that, that really works the way he's going to, they're going to have uh, the sort of Chad Mendes, Conor McGregor sort of thing, the way, they had some like country singer. <laughs> they had some country singer for Chad Mendes coming out. Like they can sort of do something with like that for Michael Chandler. The, the way Connor's come back, they have the Irish thing. It's uh, it's a match made in heaven. Uh, the funny thing is the way like Ian Gary is in Michael Chandler's team, and yet like he's like an Irish fighter, and him and Connor have this great bond now as well. It's going to be really interesting to see, like, what way. Ian's career is going to go in the build up to this fight. Like, you know, I mean, will he get asked to come train with Connor? Will he train with Michael Chandler and be, and be mimicking that style? Like, I mean, that's going to be very interesting. What do you mean? Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be. No one's listening, so give us the, let us know your truth, man. Yeah, but I think it's definitely going to be something interesting, like a, a strange narrative and storyline to be looking at from the outside in. So I, I definitely think it's. Uh, something to look at um obviously he spoke to michael chandler was like don't go wild don't go wild and the channel's like what are you talking about we never go wild 
and uh, like that was that was sort of funny to see. And, but like obviously, Ian's pledges allegiance to Conor McGregor, so he's going to be cheering for pledges him. Pledges allegiance to the flag, man. Yeah, Troy Conor, baby. <laughs> for the flag of the Black Forge. He's uh, looking for that Forge Irish Irish Stout sponsor, Russell. That's not yeah, like... he is. He is. Uh, well, he, he doesn't drink, so he probably won't be. But uh, yeah, the, the, the non-alcoholic one, the 0%. Yeah, you better believe it. But uh, that's sort of where he's at. So, like, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be on that card anyway. Yeah, Ian Gary's definitely going to be on that card. It looks like it's that, that's been like sort of slightly kicked down the ca- road a bit. I, like obviously, what do we have? UFC two ninety two booked for Boston. Boston, yeah. Two ninety three is booked for Australia. So two ninety four looks like it's the next Abu Dhabi card, potentially. So although I think no, they no, want to do. That's booked. Oh, okay. So what we're looking at? Two... Oh no, I think two ninety one is Abu Dhabi, isn't it? But it looks like oh no, two ninety four is also in uh, the Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi, or maybe it's. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's another one. But like, oh, UFC, sorry, Poirier for Skagey two is UFC two ninety one. That's in, okay. So we're UFC. we're looking Salt at UFC ninety five actually. Oh, okay, so, yeah. So two nine one Salt Lake City, two nine two Boston, two nine three Abu Dhabi, two nine four. Two nine four is Abu Dhabi. Two <laughs> nine... <laughs> oh, sorry. Two nine three Australia. Yeah, two nine three Australia, two nine four Abu Dhabi. We eventually got there, so we're looking two of UFC two nine five for McGregor. But the only bonus is if UFC two nine two comes next, which is Boston, there's great opportunity to do two nine five, then Vegas, and get the people on both effectively. So you could get Ian Gary at UFC two ninety two, and then Ian Gary at two ninety five. You get that turnaround. It's not too close. So I think it's looking like. At the moment, it's sort of looking like December. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, talking about Boston, I don't know whether you want to give it a, a few minutes of time, but uh, Reese McKee is obviously petitioning at the moment to fight Brian Battle. Uh, it looks like things are moving in a nice direction for that one. Like, they both want that. Um, fair play to Brian Battle as well, because he's just coming off a, an outrageous win against... Um, Gable Green there. Yeah. What was it? 13, 14 seconds? 14. Uh, yeah. yeah. Although, like, probably one of the best 14 seconds of fighting I've ever seen. It was uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was an absolute chaos. But uh, it looks like Brian Battle's got to put his ultimate fighter trophy on the line if he puts his cage warrior's belt on the line. So uh, I'd definitely be down for that. Sign me up to it. Uh, you know who I think Paul Hughes should fight in that card? Because I want to get Paul Hughes in that card. What would you think... Paul Hughes versus Chase Hooper. Yeah. Like, Chase Hooper is just sort of long. Yeah, but I think, like, that's a nice... He's fighting someone with a bit of a name, but, like, I think Paul Hughes would probably win that handily. Like, I feel like, skill-wise, he's streets ahead of him. Well, Chase Hooper's on this weekend. Yeah, so, Chase Hooper... I think if Chase Hooper wins or loses, I think that's that's a nice uh, opponent for him. Yeah, I feel like Paul Hughes is trying to go straight into the top 15. I know, yeah, but it'd be nice if he had a handy enough win in Boston. Yeah. Sort of a, a pro-Irish crowd. Yeah, a signature win. Yeah, just hopefully yeah. they get the, they get they get some Irish people on it. Because I know when she, like Molly McCann fights, 
to give her the Irish badge. Johnny Walker came out with the Irish badge, and uh, they like to put Sean O'Malley in the Irish badge as well. Yeah, and then I, I'd love to get Caelan Lockran on that card as well. Maybe against like a Bernie New somewhere or something like that. Someone who's uh, sort of two and four in the UFC. He's got six fights. Another sort of favorable matchup for the Irish. I'd love to see those three on the card. I'd love to see Danny Nealon on the card. And why not throw Kiefer Crosby on the card there? Uh, like Kiefer isn't like that coming off that win against the Brazilian cowboy. Like Kiefer puts on a show. That's yeah, something... he really is. And like again, Kiefer is like welterweight, lightweight. Anyway, get me in there. Kiefer that weight. Was, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was on um that was in welterweight, that last one. But I'm sure yeah, if he exactly. was given a lightweight fight, he'd make it as well. Yeah, and I saw I saw Danny McCormick and John Cavanaugh were saying like, oh, who's the first title defense gonna be against? I think as time goes further on, I'm like Less up for Danny versus Shauna. I think I'd rather see Danny get signed. Yeah. And then I'd rather see Shauna get uh, fight for the belt and then get signed as well. I just think as times move past that, obviously when they both fought on the same night, you're like, that makes sense. Get them in there. But as time's gone on, I'm like, I don't want to see the Irish fight each other, really. I want to see them both signed to the UFC. And if down the line they have to fight each other in the UFC, so be it. But a fight like that, the two girls should be fairly compensated for it, and it should be on one of the biggest stages possible. I'd agree. And then, like, yeah. Lee Hammond's on the Ultimate Fighter as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think his debut is obviously going to be sort of a grey area, because I think the Ultimate Fighter is going to have to be over for him to make make a debut. So I don't know yeah. whether it'll be over by Boston. I assume it will be. So hopefully we can get him on that card as well. We sort of, we sort of need to see how he does in the ultimate fire to, yeah. before we start making matchups for him. But who knows? Normally, they fight someone else from the ultimate fighter. So hopefully, he'll fight one of those guys. And why not throw Brad Catone on there as well? Man, it doesn't really get much better for Irish MA than this. No, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus, Baz, we're over 40 minutes into this podcast. Like, this is the first time in a very long time where just me and you have shot the breeze on Irish MMA. And uh, I've loved it. Yeah, we haven't been allowed, man. Yeah, we haven't been allowed. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> certain people won't let us, you know? Like, uh, the lads in FAI were like, no, no, we have to have us on the podcast instead. Especially Pat McAllister. And I don't care that. <laughs> <laughs> No, it is one of those things where we do try and bring you a guest each week just to give you... The focus, to be honest, we just don't like the focus being on us. We like the focus being on other people. But uh, we asked Connor to come on and discuss uh, McGregor forever. But uh, he said he was busy. So he said he'd come on another time. So uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get him on another time uh, to, to discuss. Maybe after one of the tough episodes, we'll get him on for it. Busy man, believe it or not. It's funny how you just said that. Okay. Yeah. Um... Ross, this was a uh, obviously quite enjoyable. Like the documentary itself. Yeah, give us a final rating there, out of ten, Baz. Like I, content wise, like I'll get quality. Like I, I give it a solid. You see, I'm not going to give it a ten because like he didn't win every fight. So overall, I'll give it an eight point five or a proper twelve. <laughs> yeah, no, first I'd probably give it a nine out of ten as well. I think. 
I would have taken another episode or two, to be honest. I think, uh, yeah. like, probably didn't score 10 because I wanted more, more content. Yeah, more what would you episodes. like? Uh, yeah, like, obviously, before we wrap things up, what would you like to have seen more of? Uh, maybe more of his downtime, but I, I, I assume the cameras aren't there on his downtime as much, if that makes sense. Like, I would like to, I'd almost like to see, like, a day in the life vlog of Conor McGregor, what he gets up to, or like I wouldn't mind seeing some of like the business meetings and stuff he has. The bit, yeah, the business one was one that I like. I would have liked to see more, like, mm. like the the inception of proper, uh, sorry, Forge Irish Stout. Yeah, I, I'm proper twelve. I like to uh, see like, well, yeah. like uh, how did he get that off the ground? Like him going to the distillery, etc., tasting the whiskey for the first time. That yeah, sort of like, stuff, I think, will be will be really really cool to see. The more business stuff, because obviously yeah. as time goes on, it becomes more and more of a businessman, and uh, that's not something we saw as much of. Like bar the parry match stuff, like we didn't get yeah. to see them go to, as you said, the distilleries or anything. Yeah, but who knows? Like maybe he has all that archived as well, and we'll get a different documentary for that. Like, uh, he, shout out to uh, Dave Fogarty as well, who does a great job, like documenting all the stuff and taking taking the snaps. So. Uh, who knows? Maybe there's more stuff in the in the pipeline that we'll get to see at a later date. Maybe, maybe who knows? Like there could be a Forge Irish Stout documentary to come. There could be a proper number twelve documentary to come. You never know. Like that man, like constantly has cameras on him. So I'm sure there's content to beat the band, and it's probably very hard to wrap it up into a certain amount of episodes. Who was uh who like who on the the documentary did you did you think deserves a shout out for being like? On the best on camera performers. Well, I wouldn't even say on camera performers, but I thought Connor Jr. was great. Uh, I really like <laughs> when, like, I, I just thought it was so touching when, like, he got like that little bit upset before Connor went out to fight. And uh, I was like, Jesus, uh, that sort of remind me of like, if I ever have to leave Theo for a few days, I have to go. And he's like, oh, don't go, don't go. And you're like, oh, that's such a, like, that's such a, a human element that you don't really get to see him. Yeah, I didn't even know that really existed. So I'm sure you're used to that. Yeah. But like, well, Theo's more like, here, go, go. Yeah, he's, he's like, get out. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you go to work, daddy. But uh, I thought that, I thought that was a uh, sort, sort of, don't come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, uh, oh, I thought the doc was great. I thought the, yeah. I thought, I wasn't expecting to get him to get as much airtime, but like I thought, he seems like a really, really interesting character. Yeah, but the, it was good to see Arnie make a lot of like an appearance at the end. Yeah, <laughs> I still can't believe he's like best mate to Arnie. But like, I mean, the, like the the way we're everyone, the world's so connected now. I shouldn't be surprised. Like he, Arnie's going to be in every documentary now, but. Uh, I think, I think Roddy, for some reason, Roddy was brilliant in that. Like, uh, even doing the voiceovers, like, just to helping out, just um, being a coach there, he was, uh, uh, there's something about Owen Roddy that is just so lovable. I think everyone in the country loves him as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, Roddy, Roddy is someone who's ingrained the landscape of Irish MMA. He's, uh, he's been there from basically the start to where it is today. Uh, obviously, Head coach of SPG Charlestown, phenomenal striking coach, and uh, just great to see his input and also like the friendship and respect him and Connor have for each other. And like, yeah, like just going on that journey, just... the whole journey, like, the, mm. the like obviously John is there as well. Yeah, the Roddy, yeah, yeah, but seeing the seeing Roddy's like 
devastation when Connor lost to Khabib, and then yeah. the, the elation when he beat Cowboy was was something else. Yeah, it was like jumping on top, jumping up and down. Yeah, yeah, it was like it, it was it was as if like you know someone someone gave him that or someone called out his numbers at, at the local bingo hall. You know what I mean? Yeah, He's yeah. after winning a hundred grand or something. You know what I mean? It was yeah. it was uh, epic portion celebration. But I suppose. And Roddy's about to go on that journey now. Like, hopefully, with Max Lally as well. Like, that's yeah, uh, absolutely phenomenal prospect. Just phenomenal that experience. Talent. And I, I suppose one of the other takeaways was just Connor being like, you know, and I, I, it's something I actually remember my dad saying to me, like, you know, well, get out. You only get out. You only get out what you put in in life. You know what I mean? And like you said yeah. that time and time again. And like he, he's always one of, if not the hardest worker in the room. Uh, a really, really go to show uh, that. The guys after building an empire outside the cage, but what a legacy inside the cage, a legacy like no other. Uh, and like they touched on, you know, I mean, there'll be plenty more Irish fighters to come, but there'll never be another Conor McGregor. Don't know, yeah, some buzz, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's great to be somewhat of a part of it, it's great to uh, of definitely got, get to witness it, you know, what I mean, I suppose. It's one of those things where, like, your dad might tell you about Georgie Best watching him as a, as a kid, and you like, you'll never quite grasp it if you know what I mean. And I'm sure in 30 years' time, we'll be telling our kids about Conor McGregor, and they'll be like, What made him so special? And like, it's one of those things you can't just describe it, like, it just was what it was. The way he made so many people get emotionally invested in his career, the way he's continually uh, going to do that, uh. It's insane. Like, I was that, you know, one thing I did break my heart laughing at when he was talking about all like the f- fake McGregor Instagram pages. And then, like, he went and met one of those fans from the fake page who'd like camped out 12 hours to meet him. I was like, this is insane. It really, really is. So, uh, there is so many. <laughs> There's so yeah. many. Ever oh, since he follows us, man, the, the people just following now is crazy. Yeah, it's it, it is uh, absolutely wild. But, uh, Great documentary. Would definitely recommend watching. Uh, really, really entertaining. Great behind-the-scenes footage. And uh, quite inspirational and motivational as well, just to see like his grit and determination to, to get back in there and constantly look for that, that improvement. And like you said, he has all the money in the world. He doesn't need to fight, but he does it for the love of the sport and the love of the competition. And uh, we're here for it. Like There's there's nothing like a McGregor fight week. There's nothing like a McGregor fight announcement. These are the things that people really really love and this is what people want to see and that's why we decided to do an episode on it and that's why we're going to cover the ultimate fighter as well and roadhouse and roadhouse we'll even go to the cinema and watch roadhouse (laughs) and uh give her a view we'll crack crack open a few cans we'll get jake hold on yeah we will do not a bother to us we'll get anyone on yeah that's not a problem like that's we're not we're not here to take part we're here to take over (laughs) but uh guys Thanks a million for watching this episode today. We had great crack. Hope you enjoyed the conversation yeah. as well. Uh, Barry, it was lovely to do an episode just the two of us. Uh, like I touched on earlier. Not I haven't done that since like COVID ready. or something. Exactly. So uh, nice little uh, touching point. And we'll probably be doing a few more over tough. We might get a few uh, tough contestants on. Uh, who knows? We'll see what way it goes. But uh, thanks a million for watching. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. Hit the bell notification. Do not miss any more energized content. And as always, stay, stay energized. Energized, Shaw. Up the Irish. Been sussing you guys a couple of times. I've seen a couple of clips. I think you've done 
some interviews with Dylan Moore and that, but I, I, I saw. So keep going, keep up the good work, guys.